Genesis chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. The days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were eight hundred years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. And Seth lived an hundred and five years, and, he, and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos eight hundred and seven years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were nine hundred and twelve years. And he died. We shall leave it uh, there. Oh, we're looking, friends, uh, this evening at uh, this chapter, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 5. I have to say, when I first thought about doing this chapter, I thought of bypassing it. Uh, but really, uh, I wasn't too sure how, how, how beneficial it would be. But when you look at it, like in all scripture, there is so much here. And I hope we have enough time to cover all that we want to say uh, tonight. So there is, it is actually a very, very key chapter, a crucial chapter, as you can see, because it connects creation on the one hand and all that has preceded this chapter, Genesis 1 to 3, with the flood on the other side. At the end of this chapter, we're going to read about the birth of Noah and his three sons. Well, that's a, a link uh, that's, that's very important, chapter uh, chap, uh uh, and so we're going to uh, look at this particular chapter and uh, maybe just mention in passing another key chapter, which is chapter uh, 11. So we won't go through it uh, expositionally, verse by verse, that would be a bit too tedious. But what I'll do is just mention a few thoughts uh, from it and uh, may the Lord help us and, and bless us in this study. Well, firstly, it is a very historically, as I said, important uh, chapter. And it takes us uh, from, uh, we can see here, the, it's uh, the godly line. Last week we looked at uh, the ungodly line of Cain. And uh, now uh, here in chapter 5, we see those who are uh, believing uh, in the Messiah that is to come. And from this godly line is going to come the Messiah. Christ is going to come uh, from, from here. All these names that you see mentioned here, well, you can pick them up. In Luke chapter 3, where uh, we look at the genealogy of Joseph, who was thought to be the, the father, assumed to be, of course he wasn't, the father of the Lord. And they can trace it all the way back uh, to, uh, to these names in uh, Genesis chapter 5. But uh, it's an important uh, chapter, as we said, to connect uh, take us all the way from the creation right until the call even of Adam. This chapter ends with Noah and his three sons, one of whom was Shem, and then the middle son, and then chapter 11 picks up on Shem and takes us all the way to the birth of Abraham. So that I'll tell you why this is so important in a minute. But here we have what the experts call this chapter, uh, chrono genealogy, 
And that basically means it's not just a list of names that we have here, but we have names and timestamps. So we have, we have the name and we have uh, the birth uh, of uh, the birth, or, uh, the age, sorry, at which people uh, begat uh, their, children, their sons. And then you have how long the time length these people uh, live for. So we, here we have not only real men, real sons, but specific years are given to us, both in this chapter, in chapter 5, and also in uh, chapter 11. And the reason why this is so important is because uh, we live in a day where we are being told that the earth is billions of years old. And we are being told that uh, because uh, of evolution, uh, the earth must be so long. So the two go hand in hand, evolution on the one hand and an old earth, billions of years old, go together. Whereas if that, can, if that theory of an old earth can be disproved, if it can be dismantled, and if it can be shown that actually our earth is not so old, that our earth is actually a young earth, then the whole theory of evolution falls to pieces. It becomes extinct, really. Uh, because uh, the two must go uh, hand in hand. And that's what we believe the Bible is doing. That's, what we, this is, this, this, that's why this chapter is so vital and key uh, for us to show to us that there is actually a young earth, and relatively young. How young? Well, 6,000 years uh, we estimate, uh, uh, estimated that. And it, if you do the maths for yourself, as I did, uh, you can, you can uh, work out the figures uh, for yourself. It's very interesting to do it. Uh, I'm not very good at maths, and you don't have to be a maths expert, uh, as some of you are here. You, you just All you need really is a calculator, uh, or even your, just your brain. It's, so, it's quite simple. And uh, you can trace it right from the creation of Adam all the way uh, to the flood, and you come up with the figure of uh, 16... 56, 1,656 years. And then after the flood, you got chapter 11, you got 352 years uh, from there to the birth of uh, Abraham. That's about 2,008 years. And according to the experts, they tell us Abraham was born some 2,000 years. There was a time period of 2,000 years between the birth of Abraham and the birth of Christ. So that's already just over 4,000 years. And then you add our years of 2,000 on top of that, and you arrive around 6,000 years. And that's the biblical way of looking at our earth, just over 6,000 uh, years. If you're, if you're a little bit confused with those figures, I advise you just to go through the chapter yourself and uh, do it for yourself. Just pin it on a little diagram. It's very uh, simple to do. Uh, but... A confirmation to us that our world is a young earth. Our earth is not billions of years old as we are told. Now, not, some people would argue, uh, some of the old earth scholars, and some of them even are believers, would argue that there are gaps here. There are gaps in, in uh, this chapter is not telling us every single name that existed. It's tell, it's, uh, there, there are breaks in this chain. But actually, uh, they're saying there, this is only a sample of the names that are given. Many of them are omitted. 
But when you look very carefully at the words, well, the wording is very specific. If you look, Adam beget Seth when he was 130 years old, and then Seth begat Enos when he was 105, and Enos begat Canaan at 90. All, all is very tightly linked together. There are no gaps in the chain. And you can, you can see this for yourself once again. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's, there's no break uh, in there. So this is, uh, this is very clearly uh, uh, shown to us. So it's, this, friends, this is not just a technical point that I'm bringing to you tonight. This is also vital uh, when it comes to our faith. Because if we doubt uh, what God says here in Genesis chapter 5 about the age of the earth, and uh, these things which have happened, then when you read other parts of Scripture, how do you know that's true? How can you verify and be, be sure that other parts of Scripture are true? So when you go to the New Testament and it talks about, well, uh, after death is the judgment, how can you be sure there's going to be a judgment? You, know, you will put doubt, you may have a doubt about that. Or, uh, when, uh, is there really a resurrection? Is death maybe is the end, people say, but the Bible says no. It's not the end. After death, well, there is a general resurrection when Christ returns. But if you doubt here, then maybe some will say, well, we don't believe that either. We, you can pick and choose. But we believe all of Scripture is inspired uh, by God. And so uh, it's an important point uh, that we must uh, hold on to. Well, as we look at another point at this chapter, I'm sure you can see for yourself that one of the things that really strikes us it's the longevity of people. Adam lived to 930 years uh, of age. And his descendants, well, they also uh, lived uh, a very long time. This is all, of course, before the flood. Uh, Enoch lived the shortest time, uh, 365 years. And Lamech, Noah's father, 777 years. And uh, most of them lived almost 1,000 years. So, uh, with Methuselah coming out tops at a grand old age of 969. Well, things changed after the flood. But we may ask the question, why did these anti-diluvians uh, live uh, so long? Some people say it was the climate at the time was different to post-flood. Uh, or it could have been the diet that they were on. Or maybe they had a strong and robust uh, constitution. Uh, others put it down to the vapor canopy theory, which we looked at in one of our initial studies, which says that there's a, like a water canopy over the whole earth and protecting uh, the people on the earth from the rays of the sun so people uh, didn't age as quickly as uh, after, after, after the flood when that canopy was broken. Although that theory is not really held on uh, by many these days, many doubt uh, the, uh, whether that's really true. Uh, but more recently, people are saying, uh, we're back to the genes, <laughs> and the gen genome decay and uh, mutations is the, is the thing responsible uh, for the long life that they had and the subsequent uh, the mutations caused the age to decrease over time. Well, I don't know what's the correct one, what's the correct answer. It does seem like this genome decay uh, uh, makes sense. Uh, 
But whatever, friends, whatever the physical cause of their long life may be, it also was a spiritual reason behind it. And what's that spiritual reason? Well, when you look at it, and you ha- if you have that, that diagram in front of you, you'll become clearer, because then you'll see that Adam and Enoch and all these other people were more or less contemporaries of one another. Because they lived to such a long age, they were all, Adam was around for, uh, along with most of the others. The only person who didn't see Adam was Noah. But all the others in this list had access to Noah. Uh, sorry, had access to, to Adam. What an amazing thing that is. In a, in a time when there was no written revelation, there was no Bible that they could refer to. Adam didn't write a book as far as we know. But in that, in that time, well, things would have been passed on orally. So Adam would have told all the others, this is what happened at creation. This is how Eve, I discovered Eve, how she came about. This is what happened. This is, we had that test given to us from God, that if we'd kept God's commandment and not eaten of that fruit, well, we would have lived forever, but we failed. How miserable it must have been for him to have to repeat that year after year for 900 plus years to pass on, but he had to do that. He had to tell others the Sabbath day, that which, the seventh day which was instituted for worship, and then the other things, the fall, the, the promised seed. Of course, that would have been something that he rejoiced to tell others about. But he's passing on this information to his contemporaries. They had access uh, to him. And so, uh, for, for surely for uh, this reason, at least from a spiritual viewpoint, uh, there, is a great, there is a great benefit in these long lives. Enoch, uh, who walked with God, Uh, for 365 years. But for 300 of those years, he could talk to Adam and fellowship with him and find out things uh, from him. And so it was a blessing, I'm sure, uh, to him. Uh, And then then we we move on to, just look at verse uh, 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made to him, is reiterating uh, what happened at creation when God made Adam. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam, uh, which means man, and so they're denoted as mankind. But look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Adam begat his son Seth in his own likeness after his own image. And that's there deliberately to contrast what happened in, uh, when Adam was created with what happened when Seth was born. Seth is born uh, with Adam's likeness. What is Adam's likeness? Well, now he's a fallen man. Now he's a sinful man. Now he has uh, turned against uh, the Lord, uh, or he fell and uh, or disobeyed the Lord, so that sinful nature that he now possesses has now been passed on uh, to his son, to Seth. It's not just saying that he looked, Seth looked <laughs> like Adam. That would be superfluous to say. We don't need, it's not necess- necessary to, to say that. But it's the, talking about the sinful nature that has now been passed on. Of course, Adam is, not, is the father of the whole human race, isn't he? That's us as well. 
And so our nature as well uh, is polluted. We inherited it from Adam, that sinful nature. All of us, friends, are born in sin. Verse 5, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. And this is going to be repeated as well. Again, another striking thing, not only how long people lived, but that people died again and again, and he died, and he died, and he died. Apart from one person, uh, Enoch, uh, who was translated, each one of these people uh, died. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing, actually, how long uh, they lived for before they died. Adam was spared for a long time, as we said, almost a millennial before uh, he died. Why did he die? Well, because he disobeyed the Lord. And this is now punishment for his sin. Because of his uh, disobedience, the Lord said, in the day you eat of the, the fruit of the tree, you will surely die. But God had mercy on him. He began to die after he took of that tree. But now, 930 years later, he actually dies. It came to pass. The word of God uh, happened just as he said. Now, again, because of the long age, I'm assuming that they didn't see many people dying, not in comparison with today where people live shorter and death is more uh, frequent and more common uh, to us. But here, uh, in, in those times, well, perhaps it was less common or not so often that they saw somebody dying. So when it did happen, well, it must have been very deeply uh, felt uh, by uh, those, the loss must have been uh, greatly felt by those uh, who, who knew the person who passed away, for example, uh, Adam. And they would have no more access to, to Adam. Death is such a horrible thing, such a dreadful thing, isn't, isn't it? And uh, to no more have time with somebody who they'd spent hundreds of years with in, in this case, to no longer have their company, to no longer be able to worship uh, together with them. And uh, it would have made a big uh, impression upon them. But today, also death uh, is still painful. It hasn't lost any of that, uh, that, that sadness at the loss of somebody. We, think, we wonder whether it really has a big of an impression on people as in these days. Uh, it's, apart from maybe near family who feel the loss even more, uh, often when people go to funeral, well, very quickly they seem maybe to have forgotten. They're not thinking, why is this person, why do people die? And uh, they're not taking, taking it to heart and learning the lessons from uh, that funeral. So often people may attend a funeral and then uh, very quickly forget and go back to their careers and go back to their families and to, to life in this world without learning lessons uh, from uh, from such a, an experience. People are more concerned sometimes like with politics or what's happening than to learn those. Uh, every death really should teach us uh, something, cause us to ask questions and really also to seek uh, the Lord. But uh, Let's move on to uh, Enoch. And you're all, I'm sure, very familiar with Enoch in verse 19. Uh, Enoch uh, Jared, the father, begat Enoch when he was 800 years. Uh, and, sorry, I beg your pardon. 
verse 18, Jared lived 160 and two years and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And then verse 21, Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God uh, took him. Enoch here, uh, we've, we've spoken about him before at length, uh, so just mention just a little bit. Uh, he was a man, as we read here, who walked with God before the flood. Not that the other people in this chapter didn't walk with God. They also knew the Lord. This is the godly line. But it was more visible uh, in Enoch. He walked in a, a closer way. It was more evident with Enoch that he walked uh, with the Lord. Twice it's mentioned uh, in a, a three verses that he walked uh, with God. And uh, for 365 years... Uh, he walked faithfully and closely uh, with God. And we read about him also in the New Testament. Hebrews 11 and verse 5 tells us that Enoch lived by faith, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased uh, God. And then again Jude speaks about him. Enoch, also the seven from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh, with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So he's a, he was a prophet, uh, and he lived in close uh, fellowship uh, with uh, God. And it's uh, an encouragement for us as well as believers uh, not to rest in uh, just being reconciled to God. We praise God for that. We're happy uh, that we've come to faith in Him and we're at peace with Him, but to aim to walk in a closer way uh, than we have done before, to seek to enjoy uh, sweeter communion, may I say, uh, with Him, a more open uh, communion with Him, uh, heart-to-heart uh, walk with Him, speaking more with him, hearing more from him and his word, being more in his company, as it were, uh, by faith, of course, not uh, physically we're, we're talking about. Even in the midst, we're not talking about going away as a hermit and becoming a monk or something like that, but even in the midst of the hustle and bustle and the, the things of life and all the things that come our way, even then, to be able to uh, walk uh, with uh, the Lord in a close way. I don't think this is a romantic uh, notion of the Christian life, but it's, it's something that is possible for us, I think, uh, even uh, in this world. And then we read something special about him. This is so unusual that uh, he was uh, translated. In verse 24, he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That means he didn't die. He was one who, who, didn't, who didn't see death. Just like Elijah, uh, he was taken up uh, also uh, to the Lord. He never saw death. And so here is another one, uh, uh, Enoch, uh, who God uh, took him straight to heaven. He went missing. You can find him in the community. Where is, where is 
Uh, Enoch, they were asking. Anyone seen Enoch? No one's seen him. Search party is sent out. Did he find him? No success. Sent him everywhere. Sent search parties everywhere. None was found. He was not found, uh, as we're told uh, there in Hebrews. But why did God take him? Why did God? Why didn't he see death? Was he special? Well, he was. He walked close with the Lord, but it's also uh, the Lord took him so that he may be an encouragement, really, to the godly line. They were seeing death. And they saw death again and again. They were familiar with death. And perhaps they, they wondered and perhaps they were unsure, well, will there really be a day of resurrection? And when they saw or heard of uh, Enoch being taken up, well, that would have been an encouragement to them that there is an afterlife. There is a heaven to look forward to. There is a better place than this cursed world in which uh, we are living place of immeasurable happiness that God has prepared for all who will follow him and serve him uh, in this world. And so even his being taken up would have been a great encouragement uh, to these, uh, his contemporaries as, they are, as he is also uh, to us. But uh, we remember uh, that uh, testimony that he had. Uh, he pleased God. He pleased God. That was his epitaph. Uh, he pleased the Lord. And we want to make that uh, our life's aim, our purpose as well, to, to please uh, the Lord. And then just a couple of other things before I close. Methuselah, well, uh, <laughs> lived such a long life, uh, 969 years. And again, it's interesting, if you look at that, uh, graph, you would see that uh, he died uh, 1,656 years from Adam, and he died in the time of Noah, and he died in the very year that the flood came. Just before the flood came, God took uh, Methuselah away. Lamech, uh, Noah's father, had died five years previously, but uh, uh, Methuselah himself uh, died just before the flood came. So God took him from the judgment that was to come. Noah's going to go through it and be protected and saved, but in, 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 in Methuselah's case, he's taken from it. And then finally, uh, a few words about uh, Noah. There in verse 28 and 29, uh, Lamech, the father, lived in 180 and two years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And when you read that, it's sort of, uh, you can see sort of the fatherly figure, you know, looking at his son and saying, All our hopes and expectations are in this boy. Our life here is so very hard and difficult, and we are. Uh, you know, so in so much stress over just pro providing food for us and getting produce from the land, and it's a it's a, a toilsome work. But this lad, this boy, well, he's going to alleviate our sufferings. We're going to he's going to bring us relief. That sort of a, a filial desire, or, or rather a, a, a parental desire and wish that this boy will fulfil 
his filial uh, duties. Well, there may have been something of that in there, but it's, this is more a prophecy. This is more a prophecy rather than uh, a parental uh, wish. The word Noah, the name Noah means rest uh, and comfort. And rest and comfort uh, were to come through Noah. But when you read the, the account of Noah, you see, well, the flood. And the flood that didn't bring rest, it brought destruction to the whole world. And only a few people uh, were saved. Only a few people uh, escaped the flood, just eight. And after the flood, did the curse disappear? Here, Lamech uh, says, because he will comfort us because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. Uh, so, but after the flood, well, the curse was still there. It didn't disappear. Thorns and thistles and briars were still, still grew and still made, it was still very difficult uh, to, uh, for produce to be, uh, to be grown. Uh, and so what is, what is in, in, uh, in this prophecy? Uh, what is it referring to? Well, it's pointing, friends, to Christ. It's pointing to the Lord. Noah here is a type of Jesus Christ. The flood is a picture of the final judgment and then the new world that Noah and his family entered into when they came out of the ark. Well, that's a picture of the, the new world and the new heavens and the new earth that God would create uh, wherein dwells righteousness. In that place, there will be uh, no curse. So Noah here is representing Christ and he is, Christ is going to be the one who's going to lead his people, the godly lion, all those who trust in him, into that new land, into that new heavens and that new earth where, it, where there is no more curse because he has dealt with the curse and rest and comfort come through him. Through his cross work, he has removed the curse by becoming a curse for us. And through him, well, we will find rest and comfort uh, in this life but much more, more so in the world uh, that is to come, in those, when we enter uh, into that unblemished place where no tears are, no toil, no suffering, no bitterness, no pain, no, no sickness, none of those curses that we have in this life will trouble the Lord's people anymore. Well, this is uh, our hope, uh, deliverance uh, through our Saviour. And uh, this is probably uh, also, <coughs> this, this deliverance even is something that we seek, not only from the curse of having to labor and work very hard in a physical way, or if you're gardeners, with the, you still have so many weeds every year to pull out, but from wickedness. It's the curse of having to bear with so much wickedness and evil uh, in this world. And that troubles believers even more than the physical problems that come our way because of the fall. Well, I hope that some of these things, friends, will be of help to you. This is the godly line uh, that is going to be preserved and kept by God all the way to the coming of Christ.